0: Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And Lord, we praise you, we love you, we exalt you. Lord, there's no better place to be in Waikato than an Activate Church on a Sunday morning, gathered together to praise you. And everyone said, God bless you. Great to see you taking a seat. Give your neighbor a high five. Very, very cool. I'll give you a very warm welcome this morning to ACTIVATE. If this is your first or second time here, we invite you as the gathering concludes to help yourself to a white pack at the rear of the church. And there you'll find some details on the life of ACTIVATE. And if you would like some follow-up, feel free to leave your details and we would love to be in contact with you. So church, let's put our hands together and welcome our visitors. Wonderful. Is it a birthday or wedding anniversary of the last week? Any birthdays? Great why not you come and join me at the front here and help yourself to a crunchy bar? Wow. Four years old, wow, very special. Hi Alison, what, 21? go with 21, eh? Fantastic. Congratulations to you guys. Church, let's jump to our feet as we declare this prayer of blessing over these wonderful people. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Very cool. Well, it's my pleasure to invite a couple of artists to join me. Who enjoys art? Art is great. So, Cornel and Riss, where are you? Let's give them a hand as they come. <clears throat> Guess what, guys? Who amongst this group of children who, who's good at artwork? You're good at. Well, look at all those hands. These guys are really, really good. I'm going to ask them a couple of questions and we'll have, let's listen to what they're going to say. So, can you tell us sort of what sort of artwork you do, Briss?
1: Right, well, I do two kind of different things. First of all, I have a business that I'm a professional face painter, so I go out and paint kids' faces at birthday parties and Store openings and Christmas events, and whatever you can think of. Pregnant bellies, all sorts of things. Someone asked me just before I was, if I was coming up to paint Ray's belly, but I'm not. <laughs> I won't do that. Anyway. You're um... going
0: to paint his <laughs> face?
1: The other side of what I do is I paint acrylic on canvas. I love using texture and different mediums, paste, um, pattern, all that kind of thing. So those are the art things I do. All
2: right. I'm also like wrists, I do love to paint on huge big canvases using acrylic paint, oil paint, love textures. And I'm a primary school teacher as well. So I do murals and um, there's one or two kids that maybe need to calm down sometimes at school, a bit hard to to, um, get uh, relaxed, so I take them sometimes just to come and do a bit of art with me, and then when they leave, go back to their class, they feel much better.
0: Fantastic. And if some of the kids here wanted to be artists like you, what would you say they need to do?
1: practice and just do it and realise that when you make a mistake that's how we learn we try it again, we learn something from that and we just keep going and don't ever
2: stop Yes I agree My mum used to teach me how to draw and that's how I started she just would tell me I started drawing trees and she said Cornel but a tree has got two lines you can have a look, look carefully there's a line on the left and there's a line on the right not just one line. And I will always remember because of that, I look carefully at what I draw. And then the other thing is always have pen and paper with you, always draw, keep practicing doing it. And um, it, it's, it's something that you do every day and, and the more you do it, the better you get. You don't. You're not born just an artist straight away. It takes a long journey.
0: One last question. How do you feel when you do your artwork?
1: (laughs) I feel amazing. It's what God's gifted me with. I love to be creative. I've always been creative. Painting's not something I've done until probably the last 10 years of my life. Um, I worship God through painting. That's painting for me is worship. So you sing... I sing
2: too, but painting is my worship. For me also, in my artwork, I use um, God's Word. Or sometimes I'll get a picture in my head after I've read the Bible, then I'll paint that. Sometimes it's the other way around. I'll do something and it reminds me of a painting. So for me to paint at this stage in my life, I paint truth. Truth. So, I paint what God's word says and I reflect that. That's my message.
0: Awesome. Oh, Liddy's painting in the, in the um, foyer right now. Well, we have to go and have a look at that. I reckon these guys don't know this. I've set them up really. <laughs> I reckon, yeah, Riss is a bit mad with me actually. <laughs> I reckon it'd be really great, one gathering, if these guys painted. Wouldn't that be good? Where's Where's Hendrik, where's Hendrik, Hendrik, yeah, uh, there might have to be a deal though that Hendrik and I might have to paint as well, so,
1: <laughs> yes, do you know I found out that Ray won a painting competition when he was 12, so I think that's a good deal, you can join us,
0: so anyway it's going to be exciting, so, Tim, why don't you bring a couple of the children? Children, I hope you've really enjoyed that. Mums and dads, I hope you've really enjoyed hearing about that as well. And what we'd like to do is have a couple of the kids pray for Cornel and Riss, but not only for them, but for all the artists and creative people on church. Wow. Okay, so we need a couple of volunteers. Come on then. Caitlin, should we do one more? Can I have a boy?
3: Be good to have a boy. Nikki, come on, Nikki. So we're going to pray for these guys.
0: But... uh, that God would bless them, that they would love their art more and more, and that they wouldn't paint Ray's belly, especially in church, because <coughs> we're not coming that Sunday. <laughs> yeah. All right, so who wants to start? Caitlin. I can do that because she's my daughter.
4: <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that all the artists get really better and they Anyone who wants to be an artist will become one. And that today, everyone has a good day. And Amen. Dear God, can you please bless these people so they can get better and better and Amen. Dear God, can you help these people follow these dreams and what they want to become and an artist and that they they know what they're doing and they just keep believing
0: yeah Lord God we do thank you that you've made every one of us unique and that you've uh you've given these guys such awesome gifts and talents that uh that they can do these amazing things to worship you Lord God and we thank you for that in your name Jesus amen Awesome. These guys are really brave. Happy about we give them a big hand as they walk off? Thank you, guys. Well done. Thank you, Cornel and Riss. Fantastic stuff. Okay, kids, time to go for five and above. Out this side to Kids Program. Under fives, out this way to Dynamites and Crace. Have an awesome time. Wasn't that cool? Very, very good. Okay, a few highlights for you. So this morning, Pastor Trevor and Margaret Wilson are in Activate Church Raglan, ministering there. So they'll be having a wonderful, wonderful time. Two weeks time, just under two weeks, we have School of the Spirit on Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th. If you haven't signed up, can I encourage you to do this? This is going to be an incredible time together. A time where we'll be empowered and equipped and encouraged. A time where our church and our city will be impacted for good because God is at work amongst us. Isn't that awesome? So I want to encourage you after this gathering to sign up in the hub or even sign up online. You can go to the Activate News, and that will have the details, the sign-up details there. So we have John Kins from Australia and Daz Chettle from Christchurch with us. It's going to be a wonderful time. They're going to be with us also at all three gatherings on the Sunday, on the 25th. So fantastic time. So if you haven't signed, can I encourage you, if you haven't registered, why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, I'll see you there. Can I encourage you too on Tuesday evenings, if you're free, 7.30 to 8.30, we have prayer gathering and uh, there's a bit of an art theme going on. Last Tuesday, we had edible art. It was very tasty, very, very nice. And so I want to really encourage you along. We have a fantastic time. I'm going to ask Tass what she enjoys about prayer gathering. Uh, Shall I give it to
1: you or not? <laughs> I don't know, like give him the mic twice in a day. Ooh. Um yeah, as I said, at nine o'clock gathering. I just really like the power of prayer, and when people come together and pray together, there's a real power. And the Bible says that when um, that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. So the more that gathers together, the more power there is.
0: Awesome. So I really encourage you to come along. Fantastic. And also, <clears throat> can I encourage you, please, with your faith? commitment cards if you haven't completed one of these global missions is an expression for all of our church for everybody and activate our values belonging and big heart and i want to really encourage you as a church as a unified body and saying yes we're in this together it's not about the amount but it's about being together making a difference in our city and the nation the nations isn't that a good thing to do it's a good thing to do as family. And so I want to really, really encourage you. Don't think, oh, I'm going to let this pass me by. No, go, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be intentional and purposed in making a faith commitment for 2017, 2018 to be part of Global Mantate. Isn't that awesome? fantastic. So I really encourage you to do that and when these forms are completed they'll be handed out a little bit later during the gathering. You can place them in the, the boxes as you um, leave the auditorium. Well it's my pleasure to invite John. John was a participant last year in the School of the Spirit and thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to ask him to share how his testimony. Let's give them a big hand.
5: Hey everybody. Um, I've been a Christian a long time um, since I was I'm not going to do the mass on it, so... But I've seen a lot of changes in my day. And in the School of Spirit, um, God really showed me and reminded me just how much I meant to Him and where I stood as far as a, a son and his, by His side. And he also, He's also showed me there's only there's one thing that never changes. People do, but God doesn't. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the same for when Jesus walked on this earth to where we are today. He's exactly the same. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are just as strong today. So going to the School of Spirit has been really encouragement for me to um, look at those things um, and reach out to God and make a difference in my life and do some things that... um, bless people, which we can all do, and just love them at the same time. Thank you. Thanks, John. Let's give them a hand. That's great
0: stuff. So I really encourage you to sign up and be part of the School of the Spirit. It's less than two weeks away, not far away at all. Well, isn't that awesome? Isn't it great to be in church this morning? Isn't it great to worship God? It really good, And it's really good to worship God with you. It really is. You don't have to look at me like that. It's, it's, it's true. It's, it's really good to worship God with you. You're a great, great group of people. We're all family together. And so let's jump to our feet. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're to worship God. Father, we, we thank you for the incredible privilege it is to be called the children of God. And Father, can I encourage you to open your hearts and raise your hands to heaven? Father, we invite you... Lord, you're with us all the time, but Holy Spirit, we pray for the tangible presence of your spirit to be amongst us. We receive you. Lord, our heart's desire is to worship you, Jesus. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And Lord, it's our delight, it's our desire to worship you in spirit and truth. So our hearts, I pray, Lord, will be open and our mouths, Lord, will express and declare the goodness and the greatness of our God. Lord, we love you, we give you thanks, we praise you, and we honour you. In Jesus' name.
6: us to hold on to this morning and in the song that we're about to sing, make some declarations about this God that we worship, that He is good, He's our hope, He restores us, and this morning as we sing out this song, let's sing it from our spirits this morning and make those declarations that this is the God that we worship today. You give life, you are love. Light to the darkness you give hope
7: you restore every heart that is broken.
8: Church, I just want to share with you from the previous song. I've sung that song so many times, but for some reason, the words sung out a little bit more to me. It's Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the fact that the words say, it's your breath in our lungs, and we call it, we praise you, God, from the breath in our lungs. And I I had a revelation of that because it's the breath that he has given us within us, that for us not to praise him with His breath that He's given us, we're actually withholding something that's His and not ours. It's not our breath, it's His breath that He's given to us. And so when we give our praise to Him, we're giving Him something from something that He's already given to us. So I just wanted to share that with you today. And like I said, I've sung that song so many times, but just in that moment, that sung out to me.
6: Your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, Great are You, Lord. All the earth will shout Your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise Pour out our praise It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise to you only Yes, oh Lord Yes, oh Lord Yes, oh Lord in our lungs, oh Lord, feel the breath on our lips, oh Lord,
4: thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Allow him to speak to you. Jesus In the name of Jesus Come out and Jesus Come out Jesus Jesus
3: Can I encourage you to make the most of a moment? I was speaking with a gentleman after the first gathering and family members got significant health issues and I said to him so is it alright is there anything and he cut me off and he said he said I'm good he said I come to church so I can connect with Jesus with my brothers and sisters he said I connected with God this morning and I don't know where you're at I don't know what's going on in your world but take the moment to connect with Jesus this morning great season of life you could be in a difficult season of life take the moment connect with Jesus seek me Just as I kick off, can I encourage you again, please, to <clears throat> sign up for School of the Spirit. Whenever we, in, in your relationship with Jesus, whenever you connect with Him, whenever you sense His presence, when uh, the interfa- God's interface, if you like, everything that happens between us and God is via the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so if you can put yourself in an environment that's going to uh, help you Develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit that you will become more confident. You'll understand um, your relationship with him. will go to a deeper level. It's a great thing to do. And uh, so I encourage you to sign up. And um, it was great hearing from John, the impact it had on his life last year. Fantastic. So please do that because it's on in a couple of weeks. If... It'll be very good for you. Very good for you. A purposed life is an intentional life. Fair? A purpose life is an, is an intentional life. I, a purpose doesn't just happen. I've discovered this through my life. I don't wake up one morning all of a sudden and it's like, oh wow, purpose just happened for me. Everything's changed. It doesn't work like that. Purpose and intention go hand in hand when I'm intentional about my life when I'm intentional about what I'm doing when I'm spending my time the the practices I'm building the the cultures uh, that I'm developing within my life purpose starts to emerge from that giving's a great area and of course we're doing our faith commitment promises at the moment and um, you know if you knew me when I was younger I was I probably some people thought I was quite stingy I probably was you know, I'd do a deal with people, and it was all about me. As long as I made a buck about it, I, I, through it, I was happy. But as life has moved on, I've realized that it's more than that, that actually there's two people, at least, in every deal that need to win. You know, there needs to be something in it for the other guy, and there needs to be something in it for me, and hopefully something in it for someone else as well. And, but, it, but it says I've been intentional about trying to become more generous, with the prodding of my wife most likely as well, that I've developed in that area. I'm really excited about faith promise giving this year. Really excited about it. It's giving Jan and I the opportunity to stretch into an area further than we've ever stretched before. And I love that. But once upon a time, I would have gone, no, faith promise, nah. You know, if I can avoid it, I will. When when they talk about that, May. Yeah, nah, let's, let's go back to church in June. Hopefully I will have missed it. No, no, I'm talking about it in June for all you who dodged me. So, so uh, and as we pushed ourselves into it, can, I can say, hand on heart now, I look forward to it. I go, I can't wait for Faith Promise this year because it gives Jan and I the opportunity to weigh up where things are, decide where we're going, be intentional about what we're going to do, and stretch by faith further than we've stretched before in that area. But that doesn't just happen. I didn't just wake up one day and go, woohoo! it's our global mandate month. No, no, I've been intentional, and we've been intentional in sowing there. And a life of purpose never just happens. It's always about applying intention and being intentional. That's what I've discovered. But I have also discovered this, that a life of purpose is a choice. It's your choice. It's my choice. You can either choose to live a purpose life or not, but it won't just inf- unfold in front of you, you've got to choose it. So I thought on that basis, we've been looking at or our theme's been purposed for the last six months now. I thought, let's do a self-evaluation, shall we, and see how it's going. So I invite you to internally answer these questions. How is your year going? Purposed? How are your relationships? Purposed? How is your career? Purposed. How is your study? Purposed. How are your finances? Purposed. How is your generosity? Purposed. How is your forgiveness? Purposed. How is your faith? Purposed? How is your relationship with the Father? Purposed? How is your relationship with Jesus? Purposed? How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Purposed? How is your Christian witness? Purposed? And the list could go... On and on. I've also discovered this, that purpose flows out of identity, and if I know who I am and whose I am, it is much, much easier to live a purpose life. It flows from identity. This morning I thought we'd have a look at the book of Acts, and um, a character that I really like in the book of Acts. Someone who really knew who they were and whose they were, and their identity evidently flowed from that. And uh, they left a real, a, a very, very significant mark. The guy's name I want to look at is Stephen. Stephen was the first recorded martyr in the church. And uh, he lost his life. He was an incredibly purposed guy. So we're going to uh, pick it up at Acts chapter 6. And this is a well-known passage because this is where the 12 apostles appoint their seven assistants. So we're picking it up at Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. I cannot believe that the early church had rumblings of discontent. Unbelievable. Have you ever been in a church that's had rumblings of discontent? It just couldn't happen, could it? amongst Christians? Impossible. 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 Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word today and that you would just open snippets of it. Father, take us on a journey and plant some seeds here and there. You know where each of us are at and what's going on in our world, and I ask that you would speak to us corporately, but you'd also speak to us individually as we look at some of your scripture this morning, and that Father, solutions would come, that encouragement would come, that uh, there would be a sense of being lifted up, of our gaze being turned toward you this morning. That would do us good, and it would bring glory to you, I pray, in Jesus' name. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against, In the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running food programs. And so the brothers selected seven men who were all well respected and full of faith and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. It's really interesting there that, that there was conflict between these two groups of people. And actually they go on and they, the answer to the problem is to choose a group of seven, which was often the number they used in the culture of the day, uh, bring together a leadership group of seven to solve the problem. Not only that, but the leaders were Greek-speaking leaders. We know that because in a moment it lists their name. I find it interesting there that the apostles called together a group of seven Greek-speaking believers to solve the problem for the Greek-speaking believers. You might not find that interesting. I do. What's interesting about that? Often, if something is bugging you, you're the solution. Often, particularly in church life, if something is frustrating you, if something is annoying you, if you think, this thing is not in whack, this needs to change, this should be different, you're most probably the solution to it. And it's probably God tapping you on the shoulder saying, you know that thing that riles you? Yeah, yeah, you could fix that if you want to. Interesting. uh, Also, I noticed here that they selected seven brothers. Interesting, eh, that it was um, seven brothers who were well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. The spirit and wisdom this is the same qualifications if you cast your mind back to exodus chapter 18 that moses used when he uh, put rulers or people over the groups of people over the children of israel to help lead them if you remember um, most things got out of whack there were too many people there was uh, too big a workload for moses he couldn't cope and his father-in-law came and said look I can help you, um, I'll give you some advice to sort this thing out. What you need to do is put leaders over the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties, and the tens. And those people need to be full of faith and wisdom. Same qualification. That's employed here. Same thing. Something in that. People full of faith, and put, uh, people full of the spirit, and people full of wisdom. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them. Now I find that bit fascinating as well because he could have just said seven were chosen and moved on, but he listed their names. If, list, if there's a list of names here, it's probably for a good reason, and it's worth asking the question why have they listed the names here rather than just said seven of them? And uh, if you look at their names, it's really quite interesting. So you've got seven, uh, Stephen, sorry, at the start. Um, Stephen means crowned, wisdom and faith, crowned. Philip means fond of horses. It took me a little while to get my head around that. Uh, what's the significant of, significance of being fond of horses? Motorbikes are far, far better than horses. And um, But the picture of, uh, of a horse in the Bible is a picture of war. Horses were used in battle. The Israelites didn't use, um, in this particular time, uh, horses domestically, or I'll call it domestically, uh, much at all, but they were... Uh, for war, and so it's a picture of war. And if you remember in the scripture, it talks about Jesus being meek. And so often people confuse Jesus' meekness with weakness, but the word meek is actually the picture of a warhorse. It's a picture of a warhorse in all its garb, ready for war, and it means all power in perfect under perfect control. That's what it means. That's what it is to be meek, to have all power under perfect control. And um, so that's Philip. He's, he's a picture of, of a war, of a war horse. Uh, literally means leader of the chorus, so a worshiper. Nicanor is a conqueror. Timion is, a, is honorable. Parmenius is abiding, or you could say a prayer. Nicholas means a victor of the people. I thought, what a formidable uh, list of admirable qualities to have in your leadership in the church. And I also love this picture because it can be read wrong. It can be read as a hierarchical diagram uh, or picture, but it's not. What it is, it's the apostles saying, God has called us very clearly to teach the Word, to pray, to study, to, to be able to have intimate connection with Him and bring guidance from that. And that job is getting undone because we're over here trying to feed people. It's not a lesser work. It's a different work. And so you'll also remember back when Moses appointed the leaders. I like it there. He doesn't say, he said, what he says is many people of faith, etc., uh, to lead thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. He doesn't say, let's put the smart ones over a, hundred, over a thousand. Let's put the not quite so smart ones over the hundreds and work our way down to whatever's left over can lead ten. He doesn't do that. He says we're looking for people of faith and wisdom, people who love God, God, people who are wise. And he, and he breaks them into, no doubt according to their capacity, but it's not a greater or a lesser. It's having the right person doing the right thing in the right place at the right time. And that's what this picture here is about, with the apostles are going, we can't do this and that at the same time. We need great men, godly men and women, people who are, who are gifted, people who are full of faith, people who are inspiring to do this work. Because this work of making sure the welfare of the people is looked after is absolutely vital. And if we can have people here who we trust, who are full of the Spirit of God and full of faith and wisdom, it means we can do this bit that he's called us to do over here effectively. So what it is, is a beautiful picture of Corinthians, isn't it? The different parts of the body doing what they're called to do. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Right, now we get to Stephen. Stephen, who's just been appointed as an assistant, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Now, just stop there again. Great signs and wonders amongst the people. He was no lesser in his faith and his abilities in God and his faith and his wisdom than these guys over here, but he was deployed here doing a different work. Again, it wasn't about status. It wasn't about... Oh, you know, he's lesser. This guy, Stephen, was absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. And God said and made it clear, I want him deployed here. This is where I'll have him deployed. It's, where, it's the way he's wired. I've got to embrace the way God's made us. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracle signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as as an angel's, amazing, eh? Chapter seven. Then the high priest asked Stephen, "Are these accusations true?" We could spend ages on this uh, chapter of scripture, but this morning what I want to do is give you three points, three observations about living a life, a purposed life. And um, Stephen displayed these well, and. He, he certainly displayed it well. I think it's absolutely amazing here the way he does a summary of the Old Testament. Okay, here we go. There's three points for living a purposed life. The high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. "Brothers and sisters, uh, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. Point number one. Take the opportunity presented to you. Stephen could have quite simply then gone, Oh, I'm in serious trouble. Is there anything you'd like to say, Stephen? No. And just walked away. Well, he probably couldn't have walked away at that point, but he could have got away still. No. Or he could have taken half an opportunity and said, well, actually, there is a few things I'd like to say and said a couple of things. But what he did was take half an opportunity. He's in a hostile environment and he's asked if he'd like to respond and he says, yes. And then he summarizes the whole Torah. It's amazing. I'm also amazed as a a Greek-speaking believer with his background uh, that he would have known as clearly as he did the whole Torah. Obviously, the Spirit of God was working through him, but he took the opportunity and he jumped in feet and all. If you want to live a purpose life, if you're living a purposed life, we need to take the opportunities that are given to us. I can look back on my life plenty of times and go, well, I missed that opportunity completely. I dabbled with that one a little bit. Yeah, I seized that one for all I could. No doubt we all have the same story, the same memories that we can think about. But if you're living a purposed life, a life of intention, we need to take hold of those oppo- We need to live with our eyes open, seeing what's happening around us, seeing what's before us. And when the opportunity arises, we need to take hold of it passionately. This was Stephen's reply, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Verse 4. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. Second point, to step into God's promises or to the promises of God requires leaving the familiar. If you're going to go into and step into where God wants to take you, if you're going to step into the plans and the purposes that God has for you, you're going to have to get used to leaving the familiar. Because every level that God wants to lead you into, you have to leave the familiar behind to step into a new level. Jan and I, when we were in Christchurch, I really believed that we were there for the rest of our lives. I had vision for what we were doing there. I knew we were called there. I believed that that was it for the rest of our lives. Yet God spoke, said, if you're going to pursue my plans, it's going to look different than what you think. We're shifting. Came to Hamilton. and back to Hamilton. You've got to leave the familiar to step into all that God's got for you. I wonder how many of us in this room this morning are holding on to the familiar with all of our might, and it's stopping us moving into the promises of God. You can trust God if He's given you a promise, if He's called you into something. You can trust Him. It's incredible with vision. You know, you can see something a long way out. If you're a visionary type person, you can see it a long way out in the future, But to get to it, you've got to leave the familiar behind. And you cannot hold the familiar as you walk into the future because if you do, by the time you get to what you saw in the future, it's already irrelevant. It's already out of date. It's already gone. You missed it. We actually got to let go to go forward. And as you walk, we can appreciate what God's got in front of us. We can wrestle with what God's got in front of us. We can wrestle with the promises. We can step into what he has for us in the future. If you see a city... In the future, you can, uh, in the distance, you can see the outline of the city, but you often can't see the detail. You can see the skyline. But as you get closer, things start to come into perspective. But unless you leave the familiar and move toward it, nothing changes. I wonder how many of us here this morning are so holding on to the familiar that we're basically stopping God leading us into something new. Into the promises that he has for us. Verse 5. Oh, let's go back to verse 4 again. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here. Not even one square foot of land. God did promise However, that eventually, God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. Often the working out of God's promise looks nothing like the fruit of God's promise. Did you get that? Often the working out of God's promise. Looks nothing like the fruit of God's promise. Oh, but God, you've showed me this. I believe this is where we're going, and this is what it looks like. Yeah, that's fine, but the truth of the matter is you're still way back here in the process. If I've got a vision of serving my family, a homemade, home-growing roast dinner, where does it start? It Starts with a spade in the dirt doesn't it? It starts with a spade in the dirt growing some vegetables. But my vision is a roast dinner. Roast vegetables. And of course it's incomplete without the meat. But that goes without saying. The veggies are just their compliment. So that's the vision. But it starts way back here. Digging a garden, turning dirt Looks nothing like sitting down with friends or family eating a roast dinner. Yet, if I don't do this, I can't have that. That's right, isn't it? Yet, so often, we don't want to do this because it's beneath us. (laughs) Or, I'm tired of doing this now. Do I have to weed that garden? Do I have to water that garden? Do I have to look up? The answer is yes, you do. If this is the outcome that you want. And so often we won't do it because it doesn't look like. Somehow back here we expect to be holding little roast vegetables that are going to magically get bigger and cook themselves and end up on the plate ready to go. But nothing works like that. And you've got to understand that when we're pursuing the promises of God, the outworking of those promises and the journey often looks nothing like the end result promise. So hang in there. You might be working away at the moment of life going, come on, this looks nothing like what I'm believing for. This looks nothing like what I believe God's shown me. This looks nothing like where God said he's going to take us. Keep going. Keep doing what he's put in front of you. Keep doing what he's told you to do until he tells you to do something else. Just keep going. Keep digging the garden, keep weeding the garden, keep watering the garden, whatever it takes to get from there to there. I've discovered that in life, that although when I was here, I might have thought I'd be ready to be there, that it's only the journey from here to here that's built capacity in me, that's prepared me to be wherever I am now. If you put the weight, if you put the responsibility on me that I carry now when I was back here, it would have crushed me. Just the way it is. I wouldn't have been ready. I wouldn't have known what to do. It would, have, it would have hindered me where I would like to think that because I've allowed and kept doing whatever God's asked me to do, not that I've done it perfectly or made it. I'm not saying that. But I would like to think that it's prepared me to flourish where I am now. And if I do the best I can where I am now, embracing that it doesn't look like I believe where God's got me going for a final destination but if I do it to the best of my ability and with the anointing of the Holy Ghost and be obedient and keep walking that it will build the capacity that whenever I end up wherever I end up I'll be able to flourish there too that's how God works, that's what he does, how many of us this morning actually need to learn to enjoy this this bit the digging the turning the dirt over. The planting the seeds. What stage and phase of life are you in? What season of life are you in? What's God doing in your season of life? I've seen it so many times where people try to jump from the season and then they cannot manage. Because they've tried to jump forward too many seasons. I mean, God's saying, actually, this is the season your life is in at the moment. This is the season you are in in life. Embrace the season you're in. It's like when my kids were little. I couldn't live like I live now when my kids were little. Just wouldn't have worked. You know, if I'd been, well, if I'd given the kids the keys to the car for a start when they were six, you know, that wouldn't have worked, would it? Yet, I went to football yesterday morning. No, was it? I went somewhere the other day. And Jay was driving all of us because that's the season of life we're in. And it was cool. And I enjoyed the journey. Dan left marks in the dashboard. I enjoyed the journey. That's right. She does that with me too. It's how she drives. I mean, yeah, it is how she drives. That's exactly what I meant. So, you know, it's the season you're in. You've got to embrace the season that you're in. And allow God to do what he's doing in that season. And when it's time, you will just gradually move through the seasons. I don't know why I'm laboring this right now. Because I didn't in the last one, except I know I'm speaking to someone who needs to hear it. Enjoy the season that you're in. Be there. Be fully there. Embrace it. Allow God to increase your capacity in that season so you can move into the next season prepared. I remember once, uh, actually not once, many times, I've had prophesied over my life um, the same word that like a Joseph putting on a coat, the coat would be too big. But not to worry because the coat would feel too big when I put it on. God would expand my capacity to fit the coat. The coat would become too small and he would give me a new coat. And all it is is a picture of exactly what I'm saying to you. Embrace digging the garden when it's time to dig the garden. And then allow the plants to come through. Nurture them. Water them. Go with the time. Go with the seasons. Go with the flow. And then just keep walking into what God has for us. So there's three points here. Number one, take the opportunity presented to you. Go for it. Number two to step into the promises of God requires a leaving of the familiar and number 3 often the working out of God's promise looks nothing like the fruit of the promise now stephen kept preaching there for quite some time chapters see my pages rustling as i go through but get down the end here to verse 54 of chapter 7 it says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him with rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, actually, I like it back in the other part, it says earlier than that, it says they blocked their ears. It's this beautiful picture there of them having a tantrum. they got their ears blocked. We're not going to listen, we're not going to listen. It reminds me of a preschool, not a bunch of professionals. Anyway, so we move on. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their, oh, here they are. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting, la, 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 la. They rushed at him, they grabbed him, uh, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen, Stephen prayed, "Lord Jesus, receive my spirit!" He fell to his knees, shouting, "Lord, don't charge this sin against them." And with that, he died. Where have you heard that before? Yeah, Jesus. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Verse 1 of chapter 8 says, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now, you know who Saul is? Saul became Paul. Can I ask you this question? It's a question I ponder a lot. And you probably need to come into my imagination a little bit, and you won't find the answer in the Scripture, but I think it's worth thinking through. Stephen is being stoned. He's dying. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. In my mind's eye, Because if you go before this, everyone's jackets are lying at the feet of a young man called Saul. In my mind's eye, I see Stephen eyeballing Saul. And I see his eyes, the face lit up like an angel. And I see his eyes piercing Saul's eyes. And he says, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. My question is, do you think Saul would have ever become Paul? Well, he was already Paul, but... Do you think Saul would have ever emerged into the Paul we know if Stephen hadn't prayed that prayer? It's worth thinking about, isn't it? Oh, we don't know the answer. Well, you don't. Well, didn't tell you. I've decided no, he wouldn't. It's worth pondering. It's worth pondering. I wonder who's prayed for you in your life. I wonder the fact that you're sitting here today, I wonder whose prayer that's a response to. You go, well, I'm here. I chose to be here. Well, did you? Of course you did. But maybe someone somewhere prayed for you and it just opened the door for God to do something spectacular in your world. We know that another chapter in, Saul has an incredible God encounter. That radically changes his life, and 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 he becomes as passionate for God. For he was always passionate for God. He becomes as passionate for Christ as he was opposed to Christ. And I wonder who prayed for you. Can I put that another way? Who are you praying for? Again, you know, what's happening in your world? There'll be people in this room, and you know, you're really, really worried about what's happening with your kids. Your kids' lives. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know, you'll be hearing your spouse, you're concerned about them. Maybe they're not walking with Jesus. You're worried about them. Pray for them. Just pray and keep praying friends, family members pray for them, workmates pray for them that person at school who's quite hostile because they know you're a person of faith, pray for them that workmate who likes to rib you because they know you're a disciple of Jesus, pray for them what could God do? I like to think that That prayer of Stephen actually sowed an incredible seed in Saul. And it wasn't too long after this event that Saul had the Damascus Road encounter. And so I like to think that there was a seed sown there that was churning and eating Saul up. And when he encountered God, it just kind of everything dropped into place. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Maybe you're here today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason you've stepped well back from your relationship with Jesus and you, you don't even know why you're here, except you are. Maybe someone prayed for you. Jan was watching a video clip last night of... um, Can you remind me of the guy's name? Ian McCormick, the jellyfish man. And uh, if you know his story, he got stung by box jellyfish and died. And uh, had a really significant God encounter. And in that encounter, I believe from his testimony, that God showed him that it was his mother that had been praying for him. And... It was a, a significant encounter. He, he, uh, he saw his, himself passed away, saw himself in the morgue, all sorts of things. It's worth watching on YouTube if you haven't seen it. And God gave him an incredible opportunity to get his life right with Christ and then to come and tell other people about it. But his mother was praying. Who are you praying for? Who's praying for you? Can I ask you just to bow your heads for a moment, please? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour yet, or if for whatever reason you've stepped well back from Him and you know today I need to step up again, I need to re-engage with God, in just a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. and You're not raising your hand to me, you're raising your hand to Jesus, but I would really like to acknowledge you this morning. Every week we give people this opportunity and nearly every week people respond at this opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time or to reconnect. When you step into a relationship with Jesus and you're giving yourself to him, asking him if you can go on the journey or he can come on the journey with you, he forgives our wrongdoings and only he has the power to do that. That's so important. That's what he did hanging on the cross. And when he was raised back to life, he made opportunity for every one of us to step into relationship with him and walk through this life with him, living the life that he planned for us to live, as well as eternity. And if he's stirring you this morning, My prayer is that you'll have the courage to respond to him. Say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, first time, or you're deciding today, you know, I really need to reconnect again. Can you just lift your hand quickly so I can see you, please? of moments. I'm not going to draw it out. Well, Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for every family represented, every household represented. I thank you that you've called us all to live purpose lives. And Father, I ask that you would Encourage each person, fill us with courage, fill us with boldness, that wherever we are and whenever we're there, we can be like Jesus. And I speak, I declare your blessing over every person in Jesus' name. So remember, take the opportunity when it's presented to you. Take it, seize it, grab hold of it. Understand that to step into the promises of God will require you leaving behind the familiar. And lastly, don't become dismayed at the work that you're doing because the work or the outworking of the promises of God often look very, very different
0: to the fruit. Amen. Great. Thank you so much, Sheridan. Wonderful message. Isn't that encouraging? It truly is fantastic. Okay. Thank you for your giving, church. And we so appreciate it and uh, are so grateful for you being purposed in your giving. As you leave the auditorium, on your left-hand side is the giving station. So encourage you to to give there. Thank you so much. Parents, caregivers, if you can collect your children, that would be very, very good. I know Tim and Jim are always appreciative when they can take account for every child that is booked in. This evening at our 6 p.m. gathering, we have a triple seven. Three people sharing for seven minutes. And they are Monique Van Blurk, Tim Brown, and Rebecca Rogers. Isn't that going to be awesome? Yeah, fantastic. And also encourage you, please, to sign up for the School of the Spirit on the 23rd and 24th. Of June, we're gonna have a wonderful time and encourage you to give of your faith commitment. So, thank you so much, church. Why don't we end with a song? Can I ask you to stand? And if you would like prayer this morning, the altar is open for you to come. So, thank you very much, team.
6: We want you and nothing more. Let your glory fill this place. We're alive in your presence. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to, do what you want to. you want to, do what you want to. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. Do what you want to.
5: some afternoon.
6: god's forgotten about you here's some pain medicine let's go A mighty long way that's why we love this come on over some declarations tonight we're decreeing and declaring some things in the spirit the only thing in the world that's reliable is the Word of God everything else is unreliable that's why we declare this I see.
7: As you wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found